This is the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Join me this evening, Mac. Good evening, everybody. Joining me this evening, Sydney. And Ian is with us. Greetings and salutations, all. And of course, we have the dumbass himself. Uh, I brought the lube, I brought the toys. Uh, How do we get this thing going? Uh, uh, Did you send out rules or something? (laughs) Easy there, buddy. We'll get to the sex party. (laughs) <laughs> Don't blow so your wad before we get there. Safe word yet. <laughs> sure, we probably need safe words. <laughs> As long-time listeners know, mine is Liberty Gibbet. <laughs> Liberty. That, that's funny. That reminds me. There's a uh, a triple X movie, and uh, and one the women one of the uh, the characters is really enthralled with um the guy uh, uh Vin Diesel's character, and she's like, "You can do anything you want to me." My my uh my safe word is I think it was kumquats or something. It was a great scene. I remember the the scene from uh, Two and a Half Men, uh, where the mother's uh, uh, safe word was pineapple. And if we're talking sure. safe words, let's not uh, let's not forget the pilot episode of 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 Castle, where he told her as she was going to handcuff him that his safe word was apples. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny because that you know that that particular piece of consent um, has kind of made it into mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's part of consent. I mean, is that, is the safe word is part of, of the consent process. Yeah, it's the you, you know. It's that's what, I mean, I guess it's revoking of consent. Oh, okay, right. sure. And, 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 it, and it, it's trying to say, listen, when I say this word, you can't mistake it for anything else. Right. Basically, yeah, to... and yeah, because because a lot of people uh, do like uh, reluctant uh, play during during sex yeah. things, and you you gotta uh, you you gotta give that rein. I think. No, I think I think because there's there's something there's something they said you know for no don't do that to me you know and really wanting it right and so right. you do have so you, you know, do I have think, to create you know, the- not participating in BDSM having a safe word is uh, probably not a bad idea just in case something goes wrong and you know, like you want to like express I'm really serious about this stop you should be able to revoke consent at any time during during uh, not just sex but many different yeah. types of places the safe word is a good idea. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, but making the safe word something that when you hear you're going to like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. Oh, wait a minute, I know why. You know, yeah. just saying stop. You might if it, it, stop is such a brief and easy thing to sometimes even miss hearing. But if it's something like you know, saying I something have. like no, no is like uh, that. That's something that somebody might uh, say during sex as they're actually yeah. liking it. But if suddenly someone says pineapple out of the blue, you're going to be a bit puzzled and pause and processing right. it. And like, oh. But uh, hopefully it's not just like something that they're just saying and they haven't told you what it means before. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, okay. But, but, my, my, but my safe word actually would work even if you didn't know it because it's Ted Cruz. And nothing shuts down <laughs> oh, sex yeah, like that. <laughs> you say that during sex and it shuts everything down. It's over. <laughs> my safe word is time delay law. <laughs> is it is it Bluetooth? Because you know they lock those things permanently no, now. No, I, I no, I, it just opens at nine a.m. with the rest of the. Band. I see. All right. Well, anything else going on that we need to that that we need to you know? Well, the uh, the fire that I mentioned earlier is mostly contained. That's good. Yep, that is good. There's a bunch of guys uh, wearing helmets, throwing a pigskin around, game thing going on this evening. Oh yeah, that's about the that's about the superb owl. <laughs> the superb owl. That's right. That's right. You can't you can't say it again. Oh god. <laughs> the superb owl. They throw around a pig. Jeez. <sighs> All right. Georgie, I'm on. Go on vacation. 
Always yeah, on vacation, uh, those two. I, I, Wait, I, I, they're going on another vacation? Apparently. Well, you have to realize... These guys have a lot of free time. <laughs> the hotel's been around for thousands of years, so these ho- uh, uh, vacations aren't, like, all piled up. They're spaced out, you know. Oh. Like, once every century or so. So, you know. Because Armand really isn't big on the whole vacation. He much prefers the idea of going on a working vacation. So that's quite often what George kind of has to use to get him to go. It's like, oh, we'll study a new architecture, a new science or something that we can incorporate into the hotel. So, uh, but this time, um, the story is called A Spirited Locale. And um, it is George Armand dealing with a haunted house. In very much the George Armand fashion. All right. That's I'm all I want to say. I'm drinking alcohol because... right now, so I am a spirited dumbass. <laughs> You're drinking alcohol? <laughs> I am. So am I. Cheers. See, now I got to get someone to join in. Yeah, what are you drinking? All of us. What, what, what are you drinking? I am drinking uh, a dry white wine. All right. I'm having a smoky According cookie. to uh, the packaging, it is medium-bodied and crisp. Oh, okay. I have a smoky cookie. <laughs> and uh, that's a, and so I think the, 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 they suggest Lagavulin, uh, but I used uh, Lafroig 10 for, for, for my uh, scotch and coke. And and there's probably somebody out there who thinks that that's you know that's heresy to mix a good scotch with coke, but you know what? It's quite good. Oh, it's your, your scotch. It's my scotch. Damn it! I bought it. <laughs> um, dumbass. That dry. That dry white. Um, yes. So that comes in a powder. Or <laughs> it, yes, it it is a powder. I snorted it. Um, uh, oh. not dissimilar to cocaine, but. Uh... <laughs> All right, we're ready to move on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, perverts of all sizes, it is Ian's and Dumbass's Masturbation Moment, brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. Let's get on. And the devil. <laughs> the Amateur Skeptics present Ian's Masturbation Moment, brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Dumbass Media Empire, bringing you content that touches people. While they touch themselves. So what I got in here? I got a new soundboard, by the way. Awesome. <laughs> Nobody can tell that. Nobody can tell that. I had to, I had to play with it at some point, right? All right. So uh, this this is an article I got from the Guardian. In, in in when I was you know searching around, it says, "Don't do it just before going to sleep. Uh, how how to have better sex?" So, and I and I, I kind of got the feeling reading this that that their, their point. The, the point there is don't always do it just before going to bed, right? Well, so that's not the best time. You kind of, you know, it, 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 at the close of the evening, you're probably kind of exhausted from the whole day and everything. It's not going to be the best sex. It, you know, it, it could it be depends true. depends on your goal of having sex because um, and maybe it wouldn't result in the absolute best, most satisfying sex, but I think it will result in a pretty good sleep. It can, for sure, right? Um, I think I think if you're going to do it just before bed, that it it's nice to make an effort to get to bed early, you know, so that so that you have a little bit more time, so you're not rushing through it just because you know you've got to go to sleep. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. think that so I think that there's something to be said for I mean that not it's, doing it's it, not sexy if you're if you're dozing off while right. you're on top of exactly yeah. So I mean the the first suggestion is create an create an environment which uh which desire can thrive. Okay, so set the mood right. Um, yeah. 
And uh, that might be a personal thing, depending on what each person likes as well. Well, I, w- I would assume. Yeah. And, I mean, and we, she... al- we always picture like the roses, rose petals on the bed and stuff like that. But I, I think a lot of uh, people w- would be like, uh, yeah, this does nothing for me. Yeah, you keep the roses, I'll take the thorns. And, and <laughs> you know, and another thought is if you're if you're having sex right before sleep, then I'm sure there are people out there whose fetish does involve the sleep apnea machine, but uh, <laughs> they're probably limited. Uh, it's, it's probably a, my, yeah. my my fetish involves the sleep apnea apnea machines that are shaped like face huggers. There you go. <laughs> I've seen a lot of bondage are, things that look real, like that. By the way. I kind of assumed. Yeah, uh, the best quality for great sex is curiosity. So be playful with your touching, and remember that not. Every moment you uh, you make needs to be mind blowing. Okay, sure. You know, I think uh, I think that that is like kind of an insightful piece of advice because um, I, I, I know there's like criticism of porn for setting like unrealistic uh, expectations, and there's some truth to that. I kind of think that uh, porn is like it, it's just like any entertainment; it's a fantasy about things happening if they work like uh, perfectly and absolutely visually pleasing, which you know. Things, of course, things don't always work out in reality the same way they do in fantasy. Uh, that's why uh, it's a fantasy, right? Uh, right? So, like, it's good. It's one of the good things to keep in mind that uh, um, sex in real life is often awkward and messy, um, but it can still be pleasurable. And you you, you don't need to uh, feel inadequate if things don't work out as uh, explosively as they and as and if visually pleasingly out, as they do in porn yeah and if they don't work out right you, you'll t- I, I can't you tell you how many out of shape. i can't tell you how many times i've tried delivering pizza to the bedroom <laughs> 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 and now i've just got to say it if the pizza man now you're, you're talking oh go ahead <laughs> if the pizza man truly loves her why is he spanking her <laughs> what i hate it's is trying love. it's tough love it's the i hate getting the pizza off the ceiling the next day Oh, that's too much information, isn't it? I mean, uh, that's more role-playing unless you're actually trying to seduce the pizza <laughs> delivery person. <laughs> no, you got to say six feet apart anymore. I mean, if you, you want them to kind of deliver it and then and then slink off. <laughs> uh, let's see. What's the next one I've got here? So try aerobic new positions. Trying aerobic new positions is overrated. So varying class of, variations yeah, on... Basically what- Okay, go ahead. What it's saying is don't try the I'll take this a step further and say that yoga is overrated. <laughs> but just have fun with what you know and play along with that. Don't try some of the stuff that could injure you because, you know, that most likely is not actually going to be that good for you. I, I've never seen, like, an exotic position that uh, that you see even in porn that it's like, yeah, I want to have sex like that. It's like, that looks like a lot of work, and that's not kind of not what I'm here for. Well, yeah. Probably, right, I, no. I know I'm not strong enough to hold my... um partner in some of those positions <laughs> yeah yeah the, the cacao sutra i think is more of a uh, document to uh look through to to be like fascinated at uh the the thing uh, the things people can come up with ways to have sex but um i think very few people will actually treat it as a as a guide for you know ways that they want to have sex <laughs> it's yeah it's it's probably not a great manual for that yeah Brian, we, we, we all do know, though, the type of porn that you watch generally just involves, you know, a, a guy's ass box. Harry Man asses, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
hey, I got a great idea for a video. Film do do they need to be hairy? Oh, for me, yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, a shaved man ass? No, I'm sorry. There's just no point in that. <laughs> I mean, some man asses are naturally unhaired. We shouldn't shame here. Okay, fine. They can they can play too. <laughs> I'm just not paying as much. <laughs> um, let's see. Stop having sex just before sleep. This actually comes from my mom. It's from the Guardian. Um, and uh, it, it, your your mom, who is very concerned about uh, when you are having sex with your wife. Well, I mean that. <laughs> The writer in this article, I think, I don't know who I we'll have to look, but she it's a, and it's a game changer. If you want to get better at um, at any other activity, you wouldn't wait till the end of the day. You would try you would uh, see so you would do it at the day. And when you're knockered, right? Knackered. Knackered. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, evening sex can can be lovely, but I uh, see basically, but but she champions afternoon sex. There you go. See, you know, so, so, I think I think I, I, I'm thinking it over, and I think you know the idea of a couple that's like dead tired, uh, trying to have sex and just like uh, penetrating and like giving a few thrusts and then falling asleep in each other's arms. I think that is a lovely picture. That's not a bad picture. Yeah, and she says in here, yes, it, it, evening sex is, is lovely, right? She's not saying don't do it. She's saying. Make some room for, for afternoon sex, you know, when you don't have to rush things and you have a little bit more time and, you know, you can explore more, right? Uh, oh, I, I, so in this one, avoid chasing the orgasm. I've been guilty of making this. Um, I've been guilty of making sex goal-oriented that forced... Uh, that I forced, forget to enjoy okay. all the stuff leading up to the grand finale. There we go. Try to avoid preconceived notions of what's going to happen if you get started and take the focus away from where it may lead. It's best when you're at where oh and a penile orgasm doesn't automatically sing end of sex yeah i like that i mean of course not there there are so many other things you can do after your uh, after a guy has come i mean like I, I don't even think that's really the the main part of it i mean like i i enjoy more like using my hands and my tongue or whatever no i agree with that ends up i mean the the chase and it, it you gotta do i mean come on it's it's the journey because once mm -hmm. you because once everybody's orgasm it probably is mostly done. Uh, great sex involves lube, and uh, I mean, of course, uh, that you, the notion that you shouldn't need uh, need it is outdated and unhelpful. Lube is great. I mean, there, there's always a place for it. Um, it, it kind of depends too. Like uh, uh, often things are just so wet and slippery that you don't need it. But you know, there's no sin. There, there's no like shame in like. If things aren't as smooth as you want them to be, like put, putting a little bit of I, uh, Vaseline or whatever kind of intimate lube that you've got available I, uh, I in there. I think that comes from this idea that if a woman is if a woman is horny, she'll be wet, and that's not always true, right? That 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 no, myth is no, what's no, not always. I mean that that's the that's the ideal situation, of course, and that's uh, uh, the way things often go. But like it just just like men can get horny without having an erection, women can get horny without uh, lubing up, right? Sure. Yeah. But but a lot of times a little bit of lube makes things go along, you know, makes things nicer. That's yeah, I think there's nothing the, wrong with you using a little bit of uh, uh, friction. What, what would you call it? Friction detractor? Friction. Well, it, it's a friction reliever. Friction reliever. But even Ian point that you can have too much lube. I mean, lube, you, you can't have too much. <laughs> especially it's with silicone. 
you're you're like you're, you're like jumping on her like thinking that you go in and you like <laughs> slide right over her body like off onto the floor well i mean a silicone lube i mean you, silicone lube is is you can you can lose friction with that stuff it's so slick right ian Chris, it sounds not like ben sapero talking about the what ass pussy video <laughs> I've never actually seen that, but I've heard a lot of references. To well, it. I I would have been interested, except for I heard about him talking about. It. I watched him talk about, it and he was like, "What? Well, taking it literally when they're talking about needing to mop it up." It's like, "Oh, what's wrong with those poor women?" It sounds like <laughs> I've, I've heard about like, that, and it's like usually, usually this, women this is up, obviously just a song. <laughs> usually, those women end up getting uh, getting scratched pretty bad. <laughs> You know, it's like there's a, a, a cartoon version of a thing where, like, we imagine that, and like, you know, maybe the this is your kink that you imagine a woman getting so horny that her pussy is just like dripping, forming like a huge puddle on the floor or whatever. And, and I suppose that's an erotic image, but of course we know that that's not the way things work in real life. Well, the, these were women oh, singing about oh, getting that wet. Okay, that, but that's whole, the song is by think... women singing about being so wet. And right, and of course it's an exaggeration, out. though. Of course it's yeah. an exaggeration. So, and he didn't get it. I, and that, that was the funny thing. If you watch the video of him talking about it, it's like he doesn't understand how exaggeration works because he seriously is like, oh, well, my wife is a doctor, and um, we talked about how um, dangerous that might be. It sounds like they might have a condition. And it's like, I, I, yeah, I, I heard about that. And uh, even not hearing the song, I'm like, Okay, yeah, it's obviously an exaggeration, um, yeah. and uh, I've seen this kind of exaggeration happen so much in erotic fiction and stuff like that too. Like where it gets, it can get kind of like really silly in this kind of way. Well, the and penis size like, in um, fiction can get really bizarre. It's like, yeah, those don't sound human. So, yeah, I, but that, but that's a, that's a benefit of fiction. It can get bizarre yeah. in ways that turn people on. And it's like, uh, why are we judging that? But there are there are times when when people don't have enough information. And I, I my wife was telling me, I think this was from one of the Slate columns that there was a there was a uh, a guy on there who uh, he I think that he broke up with his girlfriend because she didn't squirt the way that he's was seeing in hentai, and he thought that that was how it's supposed to be. And it seems a little naive, but I think that there is a place. Oh, her nipples squirt. I'm sorry, but she's saying that her nipples were supposed to squirt, and he was expecting that when she orgasmed. Okay. Wow, that's a, that, that's wow. a, but that, that, that is like very specific porn that he was yeah. looking at for that, though, not re- representative of most of the porn out there. So right. there'd be some clue that this isn't a thing you should Exactly. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think that sometimes that, particularly in the U.S., we have a lack of information on some of this kind of stuff. No, we're, we're, well, I, I know, like, I, I've talked to people before. Uh, like, I, I, I guess it depends on where you are in the United States, too. But I have talked to people uh, who um, have gone through, like, very restrictive, like, uh, education about sex. And you like uh, d- don't know things about that, and uh, it's uh, yeah, people people get like uh, really weird ideas when the the truth about it, uh, I think, it shouldn't really be that controversial. Well, with Ben Superior, I'm I'm sure I'm mispronouncing the name. I've watched enough of his videos now. I'm sure he's either an alien trying to figure out humanity or a robot trying to figure out humanity. <laughs> but I'm fairly certain you, you know, like human. Uh, um, when, when you say that, you know. Uh, that that makes me feel a kind of kinship because I often feel that way about humanity. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to watch this guy. I mean, his smile is almost like, oh, I should smile now. 
and everything about him feels very off. So I, I don't I, him of all people trying to make critiques of anything pop culture. If you watch, he just doesn't get it. And so you wonder about his upbringing. And like I said, the wet ass pussy video to me was like the pinnacle of that because he did not get a thing on that video. It was almost like I don't understand the whole idea of sexual arousal. Mm, so. Yeah, uh, I think I I think that's a, that's a thing. I, I think like uh, if you put out any kind of thing, that there will be a certain segment of the population that just doesn't get it and thinks that they do, and will like uh, say things. I I, uh, I remember uh, watching a uh, John Oliver uh, episode uh, not too long ago. Um, I forget what town it was, but he was making fun of this town, and he showed like clips of people. Uh, from the town, like uh, just speaking out, like, uh, oh, I, I don't think that this is that bad of a town. And not realizing that he was just having a laugh at them. He didn't really care about the town or think that it was bad. He, he was he was just having you're fun. You're talking about the sewage plant. Yes. Yeah, yes, and the, I think uh, I the, think though, I mean, that went both ways, right? Because he he made a he made a an offhanded crack about the town, and then the town, the the guy who was the mayor. He, he he just he just I th- I think that that was in I think that was all in good fun. I don't think the mayor was really pissed, but you know he you know he he put up his video saying you know here the John Oliver Memorial Sewage Plant, and of course then John Oliver <laughs> went, I didn't want a sewage plant before, but now I want it more than anything else, <laughs> you know because that's how <laughs> that's how he rolls. I don't know that was that's a whole funny thing. I I really don't think the mayor. It, 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 it's funny just seeing like the townspeople who uh, disagreed. Yeah. Uh, Standing up and like standing, standing up for their town, like seriously thinking that this was a serious thing that John Oliver was really coming down on their yeah. town and attacking, not understanding that no, he's not. He he is just it was having a, fun. Yeah, it was just it was just, it was just he, a, he, it was a jab, do, right? Yeah, but here's the thing: Brian didn't think we had enough content. Yeah, I know. Here we get we haven't even gotten past this. We're, we're we're way off that. But here's the thing: he got his sewage plant right. I mean, the town, the town, because he gave the town a bunch of money to a charities, and they, and they and they and they gave him a sewage plant. He got it now. Now it exists, right? Mm-hmm. But but the the mayor was being playful. But maybe some people in the town didn't didn't quite get it, right? That that's possible. But the, I think the mayor did. Uh, yeah, the mayor was just the mayor was just hitting like back. Anybody. Yeah, any, any kind of thing that you put out, like in jest, there will be a certain segment of people who just don't understand, who just don't get it, and uh, uh, maybe it's like uh, often uh, maybe it just be because they have a different sense of humor or whatever. Um, and I think that's just something that you need to expect. Sure, Mac dropped out. I guess his mic wasn't working because I think he was trying to chime in and we weren't hearing him. No, no. no. All right, let's 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 finish this article up. Um, it is. It is. He didn't just fall asleep on his keyboard. That that's the that's a mad cat thing to do. Well, we're going to talk about virtual sex parties, which Brian. Um. Uh. I think I feel like I was misled uh, when you invited <laughs> me to uh, to our meeting today. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So th- this is interesting. Okay. So. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you might have been. I uh, maybe I misled you a little. That's just the little devil in me. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I, came, I came all prepared and everything here, and I uh, and I come to realize that we're just doing a regular podcast. I feel betrayed. I feel betrayed. Uh, well, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'd like to say I'm sorry, but I got you here. So <laughs> I'll put it. I'll put it behind me. I'll put it behind me with, with great difficulty. I will forgive you. All right, thanks. Even sex parties have gone online during COVID, and th- so this was an article that talked about um, how I did read the article. But it, it was, <laughs> now, now I'm now I'm off my game. Um, 
the, I think this makes sense. But how but how they're structured is what is what um actually um it brought me actually to the to the I, I put two articles in here. One basically that talks about how they're going online and then another couple that actually went to one. But so yeah, so they're they're going online. Um I mean what what, what to say more more than that, other than maybe maybe like, uh, I, sort of I, I've had like online uh 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 online sexual encounters with women, like uh through video as well, like doing sexual stuff with them. Uh, which has been uh, kind of fun and everything. How, how does that work uh, on a group call? I'm, I'm very curious okay, about so that. Okay, like, so moving on, let's move on to the next article because because the fact that it's happening makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, and 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 there's you know there's issues that this article covers. You know what what's normal anyway, um, respect and safety, and I mean I think that you know you gotta you gotta imagine the usual norms have got to apply. You st- I mean just because one of the problems I think that we have with. Um, uh, with the internet is sometimes, you know, when you can't see people, they're not a person, you know, and you say things that you might not normally say. Um, so yeah. So the, the, the next one that I put in here is actually probably even better. It says, so virtual sex party. Um, I attended my first party. So, but what, what this, how this couple said that it worked is that, um, and they, this was in Manchester. And I guess that this is a group that normally, that they normally do sex parties. And now that, now they've gone online with them. Um, and I'm not sure how they would work in person, but in this case, uh, I think they paid twenty dollars a month for the, for a membership to this club, um, twenty pounds probably because I think it's the man. And when they get on there, um, number one, masks are required. Everybody everybody has to wear a mask. Wait, on the virtual sex party? Yes, on the virtual sex party, that they, um, they required everybody to to have a mask. Let me see. Let me see. I, I don't understand. Well, well, I think you still want a level of. Um... Um, masks are compulsory. Go ahead. I'm trying to Okay, so yeah, you just want some anonymity. So masks are compulsory at the start of of killing kitten virtual sex party. So it says at the start. So maybe people, maybe it's okay to take them off later. I mean, like, are are, are people actually like in the same room as each other for so, the virtual sex party? I don't understand this. Okay, in this case, most of, there, there's a lot of couples. And and single men aren't allowed, but single women are. That's normal. Yeah, we see yeah, a lot. I, I, I suppose I, I suppose that uh, that unfortunately makes sense. So it said that there were about there were about fifty other people already in the, on the chat. It says single men aren't allowed, and it was mostly couples and about four single women on their own. Uh, it says luckily the host muted everybody right at the start. Uh, so they weren't talking over talking over everybody, and then they had them use the chat. So most people are, are are using the chat to talk. And then what the host does is they they will they will choose a, they will choose people to, to put up as 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 they're going through it. So so as people start to have sex, they they'll they'll put them up having sex. And so the host will kind of sol- will go through and select who you know who they're showing. At, at any point, so like in time. are people like having like private sexy conversations and masturbating together, and the host will go through each one and be like, "Okay, I'll profile this one, show it up, and everybody can masturbate to that." Is That's that what, what that it is? sounds like? I, I, I get no, no. I think well, wait. Most of these are couples having sex, and and basically they're letting other people watch them have sex. This is essentially what's going oh, on. Okay, it's it's so like it's, uh, so like nobody on the Zoom call. Is connecting with with each other in order to no uh, no 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 get get each other off there. They're no. just like partners, but I, like if, if they're partners in the same household, why are they wearing masks? So the other people online, you know, this isn't about COVID. To, this know. isn't COVID masks. This is like this is like party masks. 
This is oh, just like okay. This is okay. a masquerade. Yeah, actually, masquerade. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, yeah. Now you got. You got. Now I'm on the same page. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I didn't make. I guess I probably didn't make that clear enough because in in, in the article there's a picture. You know that, so I guess I I didn't yeah. think about that. Okay, that, this is my fault for not clicking hard on the article. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. But I think that's fine. I think I think making making that point is good. So it's about anonymity, not about COVID. And and yeah. I guess some people and so some some couples did just come in to watch, and and other couples were were having sex, and and the host would cycle through everybody and put everybody up. You know, here and there. And some just did oil. You know, you basically yeah. sound like you do what you're comfortable with doing and, you know, just. I, I don't know. It it, it, it it sounds kind of like you could get the same experience by uh, browsing random bids on Pornhub. Mm. Maybe. Well, but this you can talk to. It's saying you text each other. Yeah, you're talking. Have, you know, little chats going on like, oh, my God, that's hot what you're doing. Hey, do you, you know. I suppose. So, so. I mean, like they, they do have the comment section on Pornhub or whatever, but it's not exactly the same thing as. Uh, uh, interacting with people in real time, so I can see that. Yeah, yeah, they're texting each other, right? I mean, there are there are things going on. Um, and and th- so there's a social component to it all. It's not just yeah. like it's just not. I mean, when you when you go watch a, I, it doesn't happen to me very often, but but maybe your imagination is better. When I watch somebody on Pornhub, I never feel like you know that that like they're like they're talking to me. Right. But I yeah, mean, uh, often they yeah, pretend that they are though. Well, okay, there's a lot but of those, there's right? There's a level yeah. of eroticism that comes with knowing you can interact with, you know, whether or not you physically are there, you can still, oh, they're doing it right now live. Hey, you know how that is? Hey, why don't you pinch her a little more? That'd be, you know, stuff like that, and you can get a reaction. Yeah. But I just thought it was interesting. Obviously, you know, the the, the idea that the, uh, of having these online kind of um, kind of group sex experiences, for this couple made them feel more comfortable and eventually they'd like to go, you know, when they can actually do it, you know, in, um, in person. Right. right. So, so, it, so it kind of, you know, might make people more comfortable with the idea. And, and so that they, then they can move, you know, to, to another group, you know, or, yeah. or actually well, go visit stuff, the group. Um, you know, one thing you could do here that I can see turning over into the in-person real well is people um, showing, okay, I, I have a setup to do the play. Why don't we, you know, we'll do flame play, we'll do electric play, we'll do one of the plays and show you it, uh, because that's what we're into. And then when you get to do the live stuff, you can say, hey, does anyone do this stuff I'd like to experience? Sure. So I definitely see where this could. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot of opportunities here to, to, to for yeah. people to, to a more comfortable way to branch out and start playing like, with this uh, stuff. Especially if you allow people to, like, uh, separate out into different channels in order to... Uh, uh, get together with the, the the people they want to experience, and, and like I guess people can like move between channel would be able to move between channels and like check out what's going on in there. I, I can see yeah. that working out if you've got a good setup. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Does Zoom have breakout rooms yet? That's that's a Teams feature. Oh, I don't know if Zoom no has that yet. It might. I, I bet it does. I bet it has breakout uh, has breakout rooms. So, but and, yeah, I know you can. I know you can do uh, like different rooms on Discord, like where we're using Discord right now, so people could. Uh, technically, uh, use Discord for some sort of. Uh, it might it might even be a better option than Zoom. Well, I think that the one thing I like about Zoom is the end-to-end encryption piece of it, and some of the security features that I don't feel like have been implemented necessarily on Discord because it's it's just not that kind of platform. Mm. Uh, but that doesn't mean they couldn't do it. So I, I don't know. Anyway, so I I thought this was interesting. The idea of having sex parties online, right? Yeah, I mean, like uh, I mean, I guess in this day and age, it's uh, more of a necessity. But it's like 
Um, I think uh, people exploring their sexuality online is uh, a beautiful thing. And uh, uh, if especially if you're safe about it, it is the most uh, wonderful way to safely explore your sexuality that there is. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree. You're not going to get an STD if you're there alone watching other people have sex. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's still a very pleasurable experience. Yeah, no, I thought I thought it was interesting. It and and in you know of the two articles, definitely the person actually went to the party and explained how it worked made a lot of sense. But I, I think you know, and you can always turn the camera off, you know, if if you want to go further than what you want to show. Yeah. All right. Now let's move on to something less sexy. Oklahoma lawmakers <laughs> propose a bill that calls for creation of. Bigfoot hunting. Se- what the? How, you know, I mean, like uh, it, 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 it sounds like. Uh, I mean, like the the only um, uh, the the only uh, objection I have to such a law is that it's unnecessary and wasteful. But uh, I mean, like I, I don't think it would uh, really, you know, hurt anything if people are going out there during the season to hunt Bigfoot. Um, I seriously Actually, doubt I that there, that anything's going to come of that. I think they can some use danger. Um, I, I disagree with the wasteful part to it. If it basically what they're do, doing it as, if you read the article, is um setting up as they, they kind of know it's um just for fun, but people can go and pay money to get a Bigfoot hunting license. So I think I heard about as, something about this uh, like several years back that mm-hmm. uh, there there was something uh, that somebody I, had uh, petitioned for a Bigfoot hunting license or something like that. Okay, me, but this is actually just a week ago. Right, but here's the thing. So, Why do you? Why'd you shoot Jimmy? Well, it was dark, and I thought he was Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, yeah, there's that issue. But the the way they're presenting it is, it's a for fun thing. You know that most likely you're not going to um get a Bigfoot, but you bought a Bigfoot hunting license. You have that um. But, you know, they're, they're trying to promote it that way. It's kind. It's, that, that that would definitely be something fun to show to other people at parties. Yeah. I think that's how they're doing it, and they're saying, you know, we, we want to draw people's attention to it, and we're kind of doing it as a bit of a touristy thing. Hey, look, come to our state. You can get a Bigfoot t- tourist license and, you know, promoting the state. So I understand it from that point of view. I, I very much well, – let's see if this draws some people's attention to – um, and they'll spend money on the license. They'll spend money on other stuff while in the state to get the license, stuff like that. In addition so, – you know, I, I, Hold on. In addition, Humphreys hopes to secure at least $25,000 that can be used for a bounty for the first person to trap the creature. This guy thinks Bigfoot's out there. I'm sorry. He thinks Bigfoot's yeah, out there. I, I that, that gets to the line of, you know, rationality. I agree with that completely. Um, I mean, so, if, somebody, if somebody is able to, uh, to beg and bring in a Bigfoot... Uh, I'm sure we'll all be like, yeah, this is a wonderful uh, scientific discovery. Yeah, but do we want them to kill it? <laughs> right? I mean, that I, I don't think that's the way we want to find Bigfoot. No, I, I mean, like, I guess the ideal situation would be films of them, like, deep in the forest, uh, whatever forest they live in in North America, like, whatever, like, un- areas that uncivilized man uh, uh, almost never ventures into, like, fi- finding a group of them. Um, I mean, people, people like uh, everybody's argument when they talk about Bigfoot is like, it's possible. Like uh, we, we've got like so much wilderness out here. It's entirely possible for uh, the for these things to exist, which isn't an argument that they do exist, really. It's just oh, like, OK, uh, but let me give you another <laughs> argument why, why this is bad. If Bigfoot is out there, 
The sightings are so scarce that Bigfoot should be on the endangered species list, and you're going to sell me a license to go uh-huh. hunt him now, right? I mean, w- w- which is it? Is Bigfoot is Bigfoot out there plentiful enough that we need to cull the herd, right? Which is why we do hunting licenses, or is it so rare that that you know that that we want that we want to track it down and, and observe it in its natural habitat? I mean, because I mean, the, if, if, if Bigfoot does exist, yes, the one thing that we can say about it is that it is very elusive. Exactly. So you. So now, since you don't know how many there are, how many licenses are you going to give out? If, if Bigfoot is out there, you're going to wipe out its whole family. <laughs> I think it's stupid. I, it, for, for On so many levels, I think it's just stupid. And it says here at the end, the overall goal is to get people into our area to enjoy the natural beauty with guns. <laughs> I mean, that's the subtext, right? And, and, have, and have a great time. With guns, and you know, I'm sure there are a lot of uh, a lot of guys who believe in Bigfoot. Will just take this opportunity uh, as an opportunity to hang out with friends, camping or whatever, and hoping to see a Bigfoot the same the, the same way like ghost hunters uh, walk around and imagine that they see signs of ghosts in abandoned places or whatever. Yeah, and if they find Bigfoot while they're out there, well, hell, that's just an that's just an even bigger prize. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> If you find Bigfoot and you kill it, you might have just killed the only known Bigfoot. I mean, I, I mean, depending on the situation, we have absolutely no idea. None. How many all the more reason to not be giving out a fucking hunting license. The, the, the way we talk about Bigfoot, though, because we do use the singular uh, pronoun, it's like people believe that there's only one of them. The same way people talk about Nessie or uh, right uh, any of the lake monsters, I guess. Yeah, you don't go hunting. Um, the last known, you know, uh, the last known, you know, um, what member of the species? It's it's just it's just wrong on so many levels. I I, I I think this I think this has a bad precedent, even though it's just supposed to be fun. I just I just think it's stupid. The passes through legislation to kill something that you don't even know exists. Use a camera, shoot it with a camera, just steal its soul. <laughs> and Brian. Yeah. Uh, to your response earlier about how this doesn't mean sexy, we both know there's Bigfoot erotica out there. there no! It's highly sexy. So. <laughs> well, I mean, there's T-Rex porn out there, right? I mean, taken by T-Rex. I mean, of course, the, yeah, of course it's out there. That, that That's fine, right? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Mad Cat. Hello. We're talking about Bigfoot. Oh. And we're past the masturbation that's moment, Bigfoot. so we're not talking about fucking Bigfoot, but we kind of oh. are. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Damas uh, has an ebook about fucking Bigfoot. Oh, well, he, he didn't mention that, but I believe it. Mm-hmm. There's also the one with the T Rex, I think he got hold of, too. Are you talking about taken? Are you talking about taken by T Rex? Yes, yes, I think that's the one. I know how he got a hold of that book. I know how he got a hold of it. Mm-hmm. I take it I came just at the end of everything. Well, uh, we're, you know, we're through. gonna move on. We're we're, we're still we're gonna talk about Amber Alerts next. We're talking about what next? Amber Alerts, just in case Bigfoot gets kidnapped. Oh, right. And uh, so, so tell us, Brian, who is this Amber, and why should we be alerted? <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a good question. I I didn't when when I was looking at this, I didn't look at the history of the Amber Alert and why it's why it's uh, why it's necessary. But I think that there really was an Amber who was kidnapped. Isn't isn't that true, Ian? Can you back me up on that? Uh, that I do not know. Okay. Anyway, no, so something along those lines uh, that could be the case. So, <laughs> I was gonna say. 
What's that? Was that Mad Cat? Uh, the lions. Uh, she was kidnapped, and then uh, lions took care of her, and blah blah blah. I, I don't think we're having <laughs> the same conversation, Mad Cat. <laughs> uh, her name was Amber. <laughs> okay. I, I I thought Amber was a real person, but I don't remember now. All right. So Brian, tell us about Amber Alerts. Okay. So the way the way this article starts out, your your cell phone screams you awake. Um, let's see. One day, uh, it's an Amber Alert about a child missing uh, from her home, and it's about a hundred miles away. Yeah. And the reason that that I looked this up is I went because when I because when I when my phone w- woke me up for an Amber Alert in the middle of the night, I was like. Do these things even work? You know, I've, I've had the same question, and like online, if you even question it, people will lambaste you. Like, uh, you know, uh, it it, uh, it doesn't matter if uh, this is like relevant to you personally. We need to get the word out there. This is a child that's missing. Okay, and and I think that there's something to be said for that, but I think it's okay to also say, do it. Does this work? Mm. Right. And this article says that it does. Um. So. And one of the big things, it works if people actually pay attention, right? If they actually right. look at it and say, okay, well, this is what we're looking for, and, and actually act on it, it can it can potentially work, according to this article. So it says, uh, since December 12th, or December 20, 2012, um, there have been 53 missing children safely recovered, is what it's saying. And it does... It does actually point to a source on that that I didn't read. Uh, NC, MEC, and Family Promises, Partners in Child Protection. So is this who's actually doing the Amber Alerts? I don't know. Maybe I need, I'll, I'll, I'll have to look at more to that. But anyway, so, but, but what they're suggesting is that it actually works. Um, since the inception of the Amber Alert in 1996, there have been 924 children safely returned. Uh, NCMEC has a uh, new report analyzing 195 Amber Alerts issued nationwide in 2017, and it shows an, it shows impressive results. Uh, of those 195 alerts, two children were still at the time of the report, uh, um, were still missing at the time of the report. All other others had been located. About Now, is there any kind of control group about uh, children who didn't have Amber Alerts put on them? No. I'm not sure how you would, no. how you do that study. I mean, I mean, you can do like a before before and after Amber Alert. I, I, I'm sure like not all children that go missing. Oh, are I see what you're saying. Are, well. What are the statistics on children that have gone missing that that an Amber Alert wasn't put out about? Okay, that's a reasonable question. It doesn't say anything about it. It says also it says about six of these children were found dead. But that's that. I mean, that's not, that's pretty good. Of of the ninety five of the ninety five, they recovered. Uh, 100 and what 88 of them, right? Mm-hmm. 87, 187, whatever. Um, well, no, they, they found 193, and so it'd be 187 alive. Okay, yeah. Uh, see, so the report said the report says Amber Alerts were directly responsible for 39 of these children who were safely recovered. So, of those 195, the Amber Alert recovered 39 of them directly, right. Um, so there's good reason not to turn their mouth on your cell phone. So, but one of, one of my questions was, okay, so I get, I get these all the time and, and the person might be, um, in, um, San Antonio was where the, where the alert is, um, it goes out and that's 200 miles from me. 
And what, but what this is saying is that it says 100 miles, really? Is it, and it's saying, yes, that, that that's necessary to cover that amount of ground. So, so right. you're, looking, you're looking at the center, and you're going out so many miles in every direction. Yeah. And it says... Uh, it but, says yeah. and, and, and the example is a 17-year-old boy who was abducted in Idaho was found in Arizona. And a 14-year-old girl from Surprise was recovered 350 miles away in Nevada. So... That they can be moved across country. And so here it is. So uh, why was the Amber Alert started? Uh, Amber, the Amber Alert was started, is named after a nine-year-old Amber Hangerman who disappeared. Hangerman. Okay. Who disappeared in Arlington, Texas, where the witnesses say that said that it was a black pickup truck that grabbed her off her bicycle and drove away. Um, the child's body was recovered in a creek near the home. Her murder remains unsolved. So, so, so there really was a girl named Amber. I was correct, and I probably know that because I read this article weeks ago. Hmm. <laughs> so, do Amber Alerts work? Uh, it it sounds like it, it, I mean, the, 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 while I'm gonna say that this is anecdotal, it does seem like it that it probably does. Uh, all law enforcement believes that uh, that the child that child the child was abducted. Let's see, so 17 or younger. So yeah, after reading this article, I, I, I can see that there's a potential to say that the, these Amber Alerts are working. Mm. I mean, like, I, I feel like any Amber Alert has the potential to, like, uh, uh, initiate some kind of action. My biggest problem with the Amber point- Alerts on the phone is that there doesn't seem to be any differentiation uh, between the level of seriousness uh, of uh, the alert. Like, uh, a tornado warning is given the same blaring klaxon mm. as a missing child. Um, and like, even, even when they send the message, like, okay, everything's clear. We found the child. Everything's over. They still use the same blaring clacks on in order to inform you at like two in the morning. Well, uh, and, yeah. And at two in the morning, I'm not on the road. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah. and I'm not going to be for quite a while. And yeah, I, I yeah, but I mean, I, I think that, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't happen but so often that's that a problem. Common. It even says only about 200, um, Amber Alerts are issued nationwide each year. So they're not. A daily thing. I think a lot of them are in Texas. To be perfectly honest mm-hmm. with you, I get I, I get a lot of them. I honestly, I don't think we've gotten more than a dozen or so here in the last year. So they're you know they're down this year for sure. Um, but we we do we get we get a bunch of them here in Texas, and and, and it started here in Arlington, right? So so yeah, so I, it is potentially a good tool. So after I mean, the of course, uh, drawing attention to a, a missing child. Uh, be on the lookout. Uh, uh, not. Uh, I mean, like that's a very well-intended thing, and uh, definitely uh, not a bad thing to bring people's attention to that. Um, it's just, uh, uh, you know, like um, uh, we 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 don't need to always assume that uh, uh, doing it uh, a certain uh, in-your-face way is going to be the best way to do it. I think. Well, it sounds like it's more effective than the old um, milk carton things that um, have become a joke. Did that, that ever like, work? A while I mean, back, we talked about those and how they actually were not effective at all. Yeah, so. I, th- I, I, th- I thought we had talked about that. All right. Well, milk carton's not effective. I don't think that's so. Do you think they were effective? You know, I, I, I remember talking about it and um, the articles you, I think you were the one that put them in, but the articles we went over were saying they actually did not really. Um, finding one through it and um, the, the, the biggest problem I think with the whole milk carton pictures and stuff is that it gave a misleading uh, impression of stranger danger 
that uh, when when like the the true like uh, threats to children getting exploited or whatever for it was from people who they knew uh, intimately, uh, usually family members. Yeah, yeah. but I, also uh, it couldn't be done almost uh, quickly enough. You know, the Amber Alerts they can go out as soon as it's reported. With the milk carton things, you know, it's going to take time for those to get printed onto it and out into circulation. So th- there's a huge difference in the reaction. Yeah, that, to, that's you know, true, too, because, I mean, it's within the first couple of I bet it's within the first 24 to 72 hours that that um, if you don't recover them within that time frame, I bet it gets much more difficult. Yeah. Mm. Usually by that time, uh, something horrible has already happened. Yeah, that's the thing. The, the Amber Alerts, at least one of the things you can say is it definitely gets the information out there quickly so that the public in general can respond. And, um, and there, there, there definitely like is that possibility get... for things to go very, very wrong when uh, yeah. somebody's uh, abducted a child and feels cornered and trapped. Um, that That is often a recipe for disaster. Right. It, as soon as they have them, they're not going to just wait out and wait out to have people come after them. Mm-hmm. But an Amber Alert itself, it does help if people do get up there off their asses and mm-hmm. actually go and help. The, the big thing about the yeah. Amber Alert that uh, causes me disquiet um, is the the whole, like, uh, if it's for the children, anything is worth it. Um, and we got to, like, uh, put so much energy into protecting the children and um, whether we're being effective is a secondary consideration. Uh, we don't even need to just, just throw energy and money at protecting the children. Everything will be okay. Okay. Put it this way. Do you have a child? <laughs> yes. Yes, I have three. Do you know the feeling of when a child goes missing? No, I can't get them like... to leave the house. i I do realize that there are a lot of uh, feelings tied up in uh, the idea of childhood and having a children and of course there's a natural human uh uh, proclivity for uh defending uh young children we we have that uh uh, parental instinct when we see a child in trouble uh, that we don't want uh, bad things to happen to them. So, like, of course, all this uh, all this attention on trying to keep uh, children safe is uh, at a base level uh, understandable. Um, uh, but of course, uh, that doesn't mean it's effective. Well, and I think that sometimes those instincts lead us to to actually protect them from things that it would it'd be better if they did know about them and that they weren't ignorant so that when the time came that, you know, that they, that they would be aware of certain things. Like I think alcohol is one of the things that we make huge mistakes with um, in this country. Yeah. It, it, you know, we try, we try and keep, you know, Oh, you have to be 18 in order to try alcohol, which actually the laws don't actually read that way in your home. They can, actually, they can states, drink. Isn't it 21? I thought it was 21 in the state. Oh, yeah, sorry, 21. 21 in most states. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, what Brian's saying, I know like here in Colorado, I've looked it up. In my home, I could let my boys get, well, Quinn's 21 now, but I, I could let Hayden get drunk. And there's no law that says um against that. They right. just can't have alcohol outside. And even the law gets a bit, if you were at someone else's house and you were the parent and guardian with them, you can um say, yeah, they can drink all they want. But they have to have a, a parent or guardian there. To, to give permission, and I'm, um, I don't know what the the lower run age is on that. I forget. Yeah, I think that. So yeah, your own child who's getting the alcohol. If you have other children over, not right? Them. You can't serve it to the other children. But I'm going to argue that right. It, it's, it's, but if it's, the other children have their parents with them, you can. 
Sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If there's guardians, are, that's the thing. If, if there's a parent and guardian, there are two give permission. You can do it, but it has to be within a private residence. It can't be just hanging out at the bar and stuff. It has, you know. Right. But I'm so, gonna. Yeah, at the Fourth of July party with your family, your if if um your aunts and uncles say your cousins can drink, it's legal. And I think in Wisconsin, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how it did in the states there. In uh, in Canada here, we uh, at least in Ontario, we have the Liquor Control Board of Ontario uh, to sell uh, beer and stuff. And uh, like um, like years back, I, I, like I discovered this, and I, I was like really like uh, confused by it. But um, if if you go in there and you're like, uh, I want to try out this uh, beer or whatever, like uh, alcoholic beverage, and you're like, they're, they're, you're not allowed to try it out on the premises. And like, uh, I, I, I'm like, okay, uh, I, I want to try to see if I want to buy more of this. So I'm going to take this, go outside and ha and drink it and see if I want to buy more of it. But no, but like the guy followed me out and he's like, no, no, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, and now I can't uh, sell you liquor anymore uh, because you've actually drunk this on our premises. And it was like, uh, wow, this is really strict. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, we, we have weird laws about alcohol in Texas, but. I don't know. They do samples when you go in the building. So. But the oh. thing is, too, um, dumbass, do you want drunkards sitting around on your premises in front of the uh, alcohol store? I, I, I kind of get uh, that uh, they don't want to uh, deal with drunk people, and that's probably the, the base reason for this. But it, it still smacks of uh, uh, our, like, pure, prurient ideas in, in our society of alcohol being bad and that if somebody is under the influence, that is just something that uh, we shouldn't even want to deal with or, or get involved with and uh, that we, we got to make a law in order to like take care of this situation so that uh, we can basically turn a blind eye for it and wipe our hands clean. Uh, I don't think that's the answer either. But no. the thing is, is that if you're running an alcohol store, you're not wanting drunkards sitting in their store. Yeah. Plus, people are not supposed to be drinking out in the open either. You can be charged for that. Hmm. I, I can understand some of those rules, but, I mean, we make a lot of exceptions here in, in Texas. I mean, like, it, if you go down to Galveston, there's a strip where you can where you can, where you can be on the strip and drink. As soon as you leave, if you leave that strip, you can't anymore. Right, so there's stuff like that too. So there's there are plenty of exceptions to these rules. But anyway, I what I would say I would argue is that it's better for for kids to experience that at home and, and make it less of a taboo. And I'd say the other thing that that I can point to that that we've done a very poor job at was absolute absence only sex education, where we where we instead of giving instead of giving kids all yeah. the information that they needed, we actually handicapped them by by teaching them this absence only thing and and not teaching them what happens if you have sex and how to protect yourself and not and not going the and not going all the way and giving them all the information that they need. So. I think that 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 is that is kind of the attitude that uh, information uh, is bad, like actually. Like uh, especially inf information that conflicts with our preconceived notion notions uh, are bad, and uh, the like the, just the resistance to like actual information um, and to to accept uh, uh, new ideas and things um, and, and like not like put judgment uh, on them. Like there, there's such a resistance to that in our culture, I think. And I think we might well, actually be. Society. 
we as a society like like to overreact to things concerning our kids. You know, you talk about the Halloween candy poisoning and razor blades and apples. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, my parents actually warning me that if anyone gives you a little sticker to lick, don't lick it. You know, because they had heard on the news someone was handing out acid. Um, and I think that I would I would even go as far as to say that a lot of our drug policies are are encouraging the same yeah. kinds of things. Oh, definitely. Yeah, well. Yeah, I, I remember the first times I learned about pot, thinking this was, oh my god, this is going to really mess you up and destroy you and make you an addict and everything else. And uh, yeah, so far my experiences, no, it doesn't. It's actually recently, not that big of a deal. I was just recently listening to a podcast on uh, Dare and how that was a big thing for a while, but people uh, like it eventually became clear that oh, that the, this doesn't work, and like yeah. uh, uh, like all the studies are saying. That it doesn't that it doesn't work, but these guys are like accepted like in, in into schools and they're like uh, telling basically they're telling kids lies. Yeah, and a, a lot of a lot of like overtone uh, with other messages is that kids are being guilty. Like we like uh, uh, we are just uh, uh, and I, I wish I, I'd caught on to this other kid, but I, I was like very like uh, good boy like into. The whole like, oh, they they must be telling us the truth, but like they they were essentially lying to us. Yeah, we and... like to guilt our kids into good behavior and, yeah. and um make it sound like what's going on is a lot worse than it is, just because we think it makes them safe, and we're very much guilty of that as a society. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's, it's like uh, the uh, it, it's a, it's a whole idea that uh, um the the outcome uh uh. What, what what's the, what's the the the, the thing? The ends justify the means. The ends justify the means. That's it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, uh, well, we we got to get the kids off drugs. That that is our primary thing. We uh, any other considerations, whether we should be doing this or not, we shouldn't even consider that because of course we should be doing that. Drugs are bad. Uh, which that's right. Uh, that that's the attitude, right? Don't yeah. do heroin, but make sure you take your Adderall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do have some hypocritical ideas within all that. So I even know um this one Brian knows her I'm not gonna bring bring up her name but I had a weird Facebook exchange with this one person who she was saying that she's afraid of letting her kids play out in the yard without her supervision because he just knows they're going to be taken I was like actually no it's uh, very rare it's not going to happen if you teach your kids the basic stuff of not going off with strangers they should be fine playing in your front yard and she was busy trying to say oh you never let your kids like actually we were pretty lenient with the boys. I know Hayden from a fairly young age was going across the street to the school regularly without any adult supervision. He never got kidnapped. I know in my when I was in single digits, I was riding my bike around all over the place. Yeah, but to right. actually try and convince her that yeah, your kids are actually probably extremely safe in your front yard because abductions are very rare as it is, and statistics say it's most likely someone they know. So you and your husband are in a good relationship. So right there, the you know seventy five percent of the chances of them being abducted. Is gone because neither parent is going to abduct them. They, you know, we've all gotten these uh, these uh, incredibly like these image images of uh, things that uh, child abductors are doing, uh, riding around in unmarked vans offering yep. free candy, or st- standing around in trench coats in alleyways, mm-hmm. being like, "Hey, kid, want to try some drug? First one's first one, first date is free, and then uh, it's a trap because you get addicted." And yeah. the, 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 the ideas of these people that 
uh, probably don't even exist, at least in a meaningful sense. Like maybe there's yeah. some weirdo somewhere who does something along those lines, but it's like this is, this is just a complete it, fabrication. However, like you said, you don't have to watch your children every minute of the day because yeah. if your children know, they're going to know if this person comes near me in a van, I ain't going to go near it. Okay, but the stranger thing yeah. is overblown. We should say that there's, there's nothing wrong with being uh, right. a little safe, with having like yeah. uh, some sort of safe password with your child or anything. Like, sure. Oh, that's the precaution. Uh, that doesn't take up too much time. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But our society you, likes to promote that stuff. Like, to have us have a bit of paranoia over that. Maybe that is that is true. There is that fear of it. You had one more article in here. Americans don't think like uh, like citizens. They right. think like shoppers. Do you, do you want to cover this, or are we done? Um, let, let's do it. Okay, go ahead. Let's do it. All right. So, as Brian said, the article is Americans don't think like citizens. They think like shoppers. And basically, um, it's it's an interview. Um, a guy is oh, I'm horrible things. Um, so like uh, consumer culture isn't uh, a brand new thing. We've had that for a while. But uh, what 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 does uh, this article uh, claim uh, the difference between citizens and shoppers? All right, so political scientist Ethan Porter. Um, has a new book, The Consumer Citizen, which talks about how he's saying, the, um, you know, the opening here, the con conventional idea of citizenship is a fantasy, and the only language the vast majority of people understand is consumerism. So basically, he's saying that, you know, the, the whole idea of rights and freedoms are not necessarily what most people are focused on. They're more focused on what can I get for me? And you can see that. The, the, to, I, I think there is an accuracy to that. The, um. You know, we use the freedom, we use the constitution, we use all this stuff. Uh, different things in different contexts, of course, um, and uh, and people can want uh, uh, rights as well as things. So, like, what 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 is he saying is the uh, uh, dividing uh, point here that uh, people like what uh, people think more well, like a shopper. One of the things is we and we do treat the government like a business. It's not a business. Because everyone's saying, oh, it's great we have a businessman running the country. We saw how well that worked out. Because, uh, I mean, like, uh, we, should put, we, we should put the qualifier on that incompetent business. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like I said, he's bankrupt just a few companies and stuff. But we hear that quite often is, oh, let's run the country like a business. The country is not a business. The country has to be run differently than a business because the, the country itself is not trying to make a profit. That's not the goal of the country. The goal of the country is to um, organize and regulate things and sp spend the tax dollars to make it so that others can make profit and so the you know to get the GPA and stuff up. But the goal of the country in itself is not to make a profit. Right, but we we do have to uh, add in that uh, there is some degree of fis fiscal responsibility that needs to take right. place in the government. Uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, that's definitely um, you know there that you know, but. The idea that we view the way, you know, the, the government and we want to consume from it kind of thing is, um, I think, what he's getting at. You know, it, it's a fairly, I think that, you know, good-sized interview. I think that people forget that, that part of what government's job is is to regulate capitalism. And, and capitalism is, is, is a lot of where this consumerism comes from. Yeah, you get, you get the, uh, the idea from uh... – uh, especially like the hard-leaning uh, libertarian, that the hand of the market uh, will take care of everything. And we know that that's a which, bad idea. Uh, which, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I mean, the yeah. hand of the market, like the, there is a hand of the market that helps regulate things, but it's a clumsy hand. Yes. Um, and I, th- I, I think like anybody who studies economics will uh, should be able to acknowledge that it's a pretty clumsy hand. The, and, the problem uh, is it's, uh, it's it, not the uh, solution to uh, all the problems. It's cheaper to pollute than it is to not pollute. Yeah. Right. Oh, and, yeah, and, so, and so this idea that 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 pollution can be solved by capitalism is it's never going to happen. Right. Because every because it's a race to the bottom at that point. So you do need you do need an entity that regulates this stuff. And and so I think that I think that in a capitalist, I think there are very few uh, actual uh, advocates who would say that there should be zero regulation whatsoever. Oh well, we have to remember when Trump took office, he showed that how is, many regulations there were, and was saying for every reg- new regulation we release, we're going to cut down like fifty. Two it was yeah, it was, that, two, that, it was that, a two that, to one ratio. Is, that is not a new idea. Yeah. Uh, for that that uh, we need a lot less regulation than there are arguments that can be made over that, but I. I think I think that uh, almost nobody is arguing that we should have zero regulation. Uh, there are some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, <laughs> there, there are, are some. I, I do I, I do know that there are some, but it's a it's a minority opinion at best. Yeah. Yeah, but it is it is a lot of these the the, the fringe libertarians that that you know that I think where we see that. But I guess I still don't understand. I mean, what 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 point are they making in this article? So I guess skimming that's... through the article, so basically, like I said, this is an interview. This is not okay. Interview oh, okay. The All right. Okay. So finally, it, it gets a bit, you know. So one of the things he's talking about is consumer behavior often involves consumers making decisions about what counts as fair, what counts as unfair, and wanting to be treated fairly. To the extent that it's transactional, consumer citizens can also be reciprocal. If you include the sense of shared obligation, the sense of um, reciprocity, you might be able to use consumer citizens to achieve a higher, more ideal version of citizenship. So basically what he's saying there is um, because you're coming at it with consumer behavior in order to – they want to be fair. You know, oh, you know, it's unfair that this group's getting the better tax breaks and stuff. But they're saying make it go work both ways. Uh, you, know, you have to figure out how to get them to understand that because um, in the general consumer thing, you go out to a store, you're wanting the best deal. You're wanting to get a discount. You're wanting to get whatever it can that saves you the most money. But in a, a, a more open thing like the country – that doesn't just what's best for you might not spill over properly to what's best for your neighbor, and so they're, they're saying that one of the things you need to get is kind of the, the idea that okay, if the, your neighbor's doing well and you're doing well, you both um, get a bigger payoff. But that's a hard thing for people to understand stuff like, and that, that's the thing when, when you look at it from a consumer point of view, you're not as worried about the payoff for the person next to you. But that's one of the aspects that needs to be there. For a functioning um, system of government. Okay. So yeah, yeah I think I most people will agree that uh, capitalism requires some kind of regulation. Oh yeah. I I, I have some friends, uh, a friend, uh, maybe that that. Um, I think that if it was up to him, we would regulate very little. And I think that, and I and and you know, and I'm glad it's not up to him. <laughs> right. Well, we've seen what regulating very little happen was yeah. like. You know, a hundred years ago. When ten-year-olds could work in a factory for twelve-hour days straight with no safety um, procedures going on, and basically go home having lost an arm, and the company saying, "Ah, tough luck, kid." You yeah, know, you know, children you know. were the best for cleaning out chimneys. They could get right in those little spaces. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's kind of like, no, we we know that was not healthy or good for society. But the but free market said we don't care. It's like, no, we have to put in some regulations to keep you from doing that. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's worse than the uh, 
the van, they'd just take you right off the street and <laughs> it doesn't matter. They'd just get kids and have them work in there or parents would even send their kids into these situations because they needed money. Yeah, like, uh, it's, 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 it's not a, a straight thing. I mean, like things like that are still happening uh, these days, but it, it's kind of complex. Whereas like uh, you, you look at the situation and uh, kids, uh, yeah. like often young kids, but like uh, uh, other people other than young kids like, uh, are going to work in these uh, situations where, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a good situation, but it's the best situation uh, available to them, uh, given uh, the situations where they are. And people are, like, upset about uh, uh, about uh, uh, this being foisted upon them. But it's like, uh, can you provide them with a better option? Yeah. Right? This, this is an interesting. So uh, this is this is Sean Illings. And is he conducting he, the interview? He's interviewer. Okay. He's, he, says, he says, most most consumer citizens are very bad at understanding how government interacts with their lives. And the, the cost of government taxes are the are, are very clear, but benefit the um, benefits the government parks, uh, driving roads, safety, eating. Uh, it, it's hard for people to to connect. That's probably unavoidable in big complex societies where uh, like ours, where it also seems like a receipt for incoherence at electoral outcomes. A recipe for incoherence. Oh, a recipe for okay, yeah. yeah. So, and, and that's, that's interesting because, yeah, you see people all the time, you know, oh, they, they don't want to pay all these taxes. Oh, I don't want to pay all these taxes. Do you want to drive on roads? Well, government's right. wasteful. Well, want... Government's this. Government's that. It's like they, they always got an excuse, but they sure like the roads. If your house burns down, or, um, would you not like the fire department to show up and try and keep it from burning down There you go, down exactly. Completely? Yeah. You know, if you're mugged on the street, would you not want to be able to call the police and say, hey, can you, you know, help me find this guy? And well, yeah, they, one of the things they don't Not that they'd be able to help all that much, but uh, it's good to have some police well, report. Still, uh, I, 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 I've used the police to report stuff, and they, it has turned out um, with a decent ending. We had a car stolen. They found it, they, you know, within a short time. We, we think they basically got abandoned because um, it was almost out of gas. But still, we, we, we found the car. It was damaged enough that we um, had to junk it. But, um, you know, it didn't vanish off the face of the earth. So one thing that, you know, they don't understand is you are paying for a service. If, if taxes were gone, then stuff like the police would only be available to the wealthy who could afford their own police force, at which point, you know, yeah, that's the, the not, criminals that's... can go after you all they want. And we, we, we have a history of fire departments being for hire where they'll show up to the fire and wait for you to be able to pay them or agree to pay them um, before they um, take action. And you don't want that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, uh, there are a lot of people who uh, put the the context as uh, capitalism versus socialism when you know, like nothing is that clear cut, and uh, we've got uh, uh, government programs that cater to the public good that uh, are worthwhile. That and it's it's not a, a clear cut. Uh, thing of this is socialism and this is capitalism it's like all right yeah we're we're, we're in a capitalist a capitalist system but uh we, we've got other things that uh that put in, it's, it's a hybrid system we've got other it things is. that are kind of socialist we've got libraries we've got fire departments right and, we have social and programs and, and we take them all for granted and people don't actually understand there is a cost to all that 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's and true. so, so yep. um, Sean asked that question. Um, Ethan, the, the author, replies, and a part, one of his replies is, there is a key point in the book. The less politically knowledgeable they are, more, they are more likely to prefer political candidates who give them fewer direct benefits compared to the costs they pay. By contrast, the people who are more politically knowledgeable are more likely to prefer candidates that offer them direct benefits, who offer them benefits beyond the value they yep. And, you know, but and once more, that is, you look at it from a consumer point of view, the people who aren't paying attention to prices and quality and stuff like that are more likely going to get less for their money. While the yep. people who come in knowledgeable, okay, you know, I know for a fact the grocery store down the street has um my favorite crackers on sale for a dollar cheaper per box. I'm going to hold off buying till I get to them to save the money. And that people should be more like shoppers and less like citizens. Well, actually, if you um, some of his conclusions are saying the two things are already overlapping. You can't break them apart anymore. They're, they're, they're interconnected. And so, um, politicians, um, if they want to um, do better, need to be looking at it that way and actually treating um, the citizens like consumer. And um, you know, to me, the the, the idea of the, the better educated you are, the more likely you're going to look and say, okay, you know, which politician is going to get me the more the most for my money. And that, that, that'll also depend on uh, what your life situation is and uh, what the politician, what policies the politician are, are advertising or advocating. Yeah. But, and there's some stuff like that gets in there with that. But um, I said, it's, this is a decent length interview, so it's hard to go through every point by point. But all, all in all, from what I've skimmed through and been um, reading and remembering, the whole idea is we're, we're, it's already interconnected. You're not going to be able to pull it apart. But at the same time, um, the politicians can learn to use that and guide that. And us as the consumers need to be more aware, more um, educated in the benefits versus the cost. We can look at um, uh, universal health care as a great example of that. Because, you know, the way it's presented from the conservative side is, oh, look at this high cost, high cost, high cost of doing it. Um, but they're not talking about the benefits. And if you look at from the more liberal side, it's like actually the high cost balances that out with the cost you no longer have to pay for your health care. And in general, if you look at um, what has happened across the, the rest of the world, your benefits are a lot better. But, you know, on one side, all they're focusing on is the cost. It may sound like it's this whole high cost. And the other side saying, no, actually, the cost balances out and you get the benefit. If it's, uh, uh, if it's a deep conservative streak in, streak in American politics, I think that there's there's like a, a a really like deep um resistance to uh any kind of change whatsoever, even if it's as simple as uh changing the type of measurement you use to uh tell the temperature. People yeah. are just like, No, I've fucking done it this way my entire <laughs> life. Fuck you if you wanna uh, uh try to get me to learn a different way. Uh and, and they take it like so seriously. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, it's one of the, maybe it's, maybe it's just that America is just too big. You've got too many places, uh, to, to try to please all at once. Maybe that's the problem that, uh, is going along with this conservative streak because you have to like, uh, cater to the lowest common denominator all the time. It does seem right. that way sometimes. All right, guys, that's, and, uh, they don't understand, you know, they hear all oh, my taxes are going on. to go up. I remember, um, the argument over getting rid of gasoline tax. And it's like, do you not realize what one gasoline tax hasn't gone up in the longest time? 
but um, that's not what makes the gas prices so high. And it, the gasoline tax itself, we all benefit from greatly. And the gasoline tax to me also makes sense because the person who drives more is going to buy more gas, which means um, they're going to be paying more for fixing up our roads. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that, that's the way it should work. But these guys here, oh, you know, there's a tax. I don't want to pay a tax because that's taking my money. Do you not want good roads? Yeah, well, it comes back It comes back to the whole thing that the, that the taxes pay for the roads and, and that yeah. our tax money pays for a lot of important social services. And and I think that's where we need to leave it. <laughs> okay. All right. So say good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. I, I guess it's another one on the can. <laughs> if you've made it this far, that's an hour of your time you're never getting back. But the amateur skeptics appreciate you giving that hour to us. If you'd like to tell us how you felt about spending that hour with us, let us know at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Share Alike No Derivatives 3.5 license. Intro music by Peter Canold. Find more of Peter's music at SoundCloud.com forward slash P-K-A-N-O-L. Exit music by OFM. Find more of their music at MySpace.com forward slash OFMHQ. Artwork for the Amateur Skeptics by Sean Smith Board. Copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Uh, yes, and you don't have uh, Mike Cousin here. In it's, order it's okay. To, uh, I, browbeat I, into doing the thing. I, you, do you want me to, no, to I, announce it? No, I, I, I have somebody special that's going to announce it this evening. Oh, okay. Yeah, Let's okay, hear it. Yeah. Hi, thank, thanks for having me. I'd like, like to introduce this segment, segment because I kind, I kind of think, feel like I've inspired it. So this is the Dumbass Media's something. Oh, no, I messed it up. <laughs> this is the this is the masturbation moment brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire and the devil. Oh, Brian. <laughs> The yeah. devil, well, one of one of the one of the more prominent members of the dumbass media <laughs> empire. <laughs> Do that again, Brian. But this time, say, put the lotion in the basket. This segment brought to you by the dumbass media empire and the devil. And they put the lotion on, or they get the hose again. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Devil. Uh, I have a couple questions while I've got you on the line here. Um, what, what's with all the hellfire and torture going on down there? Is that, is that a fetish of yours? Yeah, I thought that was obvious. <laughs> of course it's a fetish okay. of mine. Um, uh, now, um... I, I, uh, I, I also, too, have an ice cube fetish, but I don't like to talk about it, and so we don't do it down there. Right, right. Um, now, uh, uh I've, uh, I've watched the entire, uh... Uh, series of the Good Place. How accurate are the torches of hell depicting the de- uh, depicted there, such as you know, like uh, butthole spiders and things like that? Well, it, it, it really depends on your crime, as you know, uh, what this sin was. I, I would say that they're on the light side of things. Uh, I mean, I I can get you know, uh, I really like to get up in there if you know what I'm t- so what I'm saying here. Mm, I, I am mm. surprised. I am surprised you didn't say penis. <laughs> Ooh, the penis landing, yes. Um, I, I, I imagine that is for the uh, sexual offender. Oh, well, uh, in, yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, there was there's one guy I did with a steamroller. I mean, that, that sucker was flat by the time I was done. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think maybe we should just uh, get, uh, get to the introduction of this.